Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Capital Close-Up on WKXLAM and FM in Concord, New Hampshire, and now at 101.9 in beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire. We are podcast wherever it is you find your podcasts. I'm your host, Paul Odes. And did you know that WKXL gave away four grandstand tickets to the NASCAR Ambetter 301 race? Do you know who won? Well, you can find out at WKXL's Facebook page at facebook.com slash nhtalkradio or at nhtalkradio.com. We're really grateful to the New Hampshire Speedway for a great promotion. And four lucky people are going to be going to the NASCAR Ambetter 301. So that's a real treat. I'm delighted to be joined today by award-winning veteran New Hampshire journalist, Kevin Landrigan. Kevin knows what's going on under the State House dome and all around the state when it comes to uh, what's going on in the public affairs of our great state. Kevin, welcome back to Capital Close-Up. Great to be back with you, Paul. So I want to start today with a story that made the front page of Sunday's New York Times. It it was a it was a below the fold on the front page, and then it went to a whole other page. It was an extensive article, uh, and it was titled "A New Hampshire Town's Lesson in Democracy." Uh, and I just want to will I'll set it up by sure. the best way I can. I'll, I'll just read a little bit from from the article, which started out: "The tiny New Hampshire town of Croydon fits the New England of the imagination." with its cozy general store, one-room schoolhouse, and local museum open by appointment. The only thing missing is supposed to be missing, a stoplight. But it's not just the Rockwellian setting that makes this community of 800 seem quintessentially American. People here have just experienced a fractious come-to-Jefferson moment that has left many with a renewed appreciation for something they had taken for granted, democracy. So that's the setup for the article. It actually kind of sounds like the uh, opening of a, a movie treatment script. It got me thinking that this might be a story that um, I could turn into a really wonderful screenplay. I'm, I'm already <laughs> casting it in my mind. But beyond the screenplay worthiness of the story, there are some really important things that happened in Croydon, New Hampshire. Tell us a little bit about what you know about what went on down over there in Croydon, a little town near Newport. Yeah, it is a little town near Newport. Um, and, and the cautionary tale that the New York Times piece wrote about um, was essentially that um, there, uh, there was a couple in town, uh, Jody Underwood and her husband. Um, Jody chaired the school board. 
um, in Croydon. Um, and both came to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, the libertarian movement to encourage people to move to New Hampshire and make it even more a, a beachhead for personal liberty and, um, and much less government. And that's what um, they tried to engineer in um, Croydon when, they, when she proposed to cut the budget in half in Croydon. Um, school budget. The school budget. And, um, and this was at a regular town meeting. Right, right. Yep. The, annual, not, the annual town meeting with yep. a one point, something like 1.7 or $8 million school budget. Right. Not huge, but but for a town of 800 people, uh, you know, significant. Sure, sure. And it, it passed uh, on a vote of 20 to 14. And um, that's when, you know, the lesson in democracy occurred. I mean, uh, the town woke up essentially to that reality and what would happen as a result of that reality. And... Um, uh, and we saw an unprecedented movement in the town to support public schools and seek a, uh, a revote of that, um, right issue. And, um, remember what I referred to, the original vote was 20 to 14. And in order to bring it back up, um, uh, they needed a threshold turnout of voters. And first they needed a petition. That's right. For and a they, special town meeting. Yep. And they got that. Uh, um, and after they got the petition for a special town meeting, they um, the people came out in record numbers, almost 80% of the entire town attended this special town meeting and um so and supported the original budget and um restored the 50 percent cut in the budget that had been earlier approved and um and and people in the town um were quite moved by um this showing of of grassroots support for public schools and uh, and support for sort of taking back control of their community, right? You know, Kevin, the interesting thing, some of the interesting things to me is you and I have have talked uh, over the time that that we've uh, done radio together sure. about about what's been happening in New Hampshire in terms of town meetings and the fact that um, you know uh, attendance at town meetings has been down. We live, yes. you know, we live in a state which um, which has always prided itself on its kind of somewhat eccentric and some would say excessive um, uh, fealty to democracy. I mean, we have the fourth largest legislative body in the English speaking world after India, the U.S. and Britain. So we have this huge uh, legislature. And in a funny way, I think that that has led ordinary citizens to some complacency about who's doing the work of democracy. Um, and the work of democracy 
um, even with this huge representation, uh, is shown in this example to be the work of everyday citizens who have to stay involved. And now I, I, I say that without regard to party, without regard to ideology, but sure. just about what democracy is about in terms of um, people and self-governance. And in New Hampshire, we've long had the tradition of town hall meetings where, where there's a moderator and, and, and reports are made and people vote on the minutia of what it takes to run their towns. That has led to um, sort of a very a town-centric kind of approach in New Hampshire to governance. I mean, a real pride in local control, which is extended to the town budget, which extends to the school budget, uh, and all you know, all things uh, that citizens care about. And you know what you what you talked about was that the first regular town meeting of Croydon with eight hundred people. Yeah. Now, of those eight hundred, a good number of them. Are, are kids. So in terms of voting people, let's just say there's 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 five or six hundred voting people. But 34 people showed up at that first town meeting. And the husband of um, Ms. Underwood, who yep. had been, who got herself elected to the school board, her husband, Ian, and both of these pe folks, by the way, are really smart people. They 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 came from uh, Indiana, apparently, in 2007 at the call of the Free State Movement. And they did what the Free State Movement um, wanted people to do, which was to get run for local boards and really uh, get yourself embedded in the town. And when Ian Underwood started talking at the town meeting about this uh, bloated school budget and who needs music and who needs this and who needs that and why should one person be paying for another person's kids and we need to cut the budget um uh and i don't know whether he had invited other people but it passed 20 to 14 yeah. the real story to me seems to be the way that individual residents um uh, began woke up and you know ordinary citizens who had never had any experience in politics, woke up and said, if we don't get involved, uh, democracy dies. If, if, we, if the citizens aren't involved, democracy dies. There's a woman named Hope Damon, uh, reported in the, in the press here, a dietitian who is now pursuing a new career as a result of the town's recent crisis. And she said, what happened here could happen anywhere. And it's a real lesson to all of us about complacency with our democracy. It's not just about, you know, do you show up to vote in the big in the big elections? That's important. But this says if we want to keep what we love about our democracy, then we each of us have to step up and and do our part. It may not be totally convenient, but especially in New Hampshire, small state with lots of opportunity. It's up to each of us to keep democracy, not just in our hearts, but on the books. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the um, Chris Pro, Pro, Prost, uh, a, a, a yeah. resident, I thought put it really well, said showing up, that's the big lesson and yeah. not showing up, but also knowing what's going on. Right. Um, and, and I think that's what uh, was really 
revealing and, and somewhat inspiring, if you think about it, what happened in Croydon to, yep. to um, that in this day and age, um, um, when so many people feel disengaged. And I think, I think we can agree, you know, COVID increased that isolation and feeling of separation from your community um, in unprecedented ways. Uh, this this sort of shows that um, that passion can can still be there, and people can step up and get involved. And you know and, what you've just said is really important. Uh, what because because while folks may feel disengaged from the big issues and feel like okay, my, down in Washington things are dysfunctional. What this shows is that 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 here in New Hampshire and in New England, we we especially uh, have the opportunity to engage and and it really is true that every single person makes a difference and especially with social media these days the opportunity to make a difference i mean the people of croydon who had never been involved really in politics got together and said well this is you know this goes beyond party and 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 one of the points that the article makes is that the people who showed up to vote 379 people um, showed up at this special town meeting because first they had to gather the petition first they had to do the figure out what had happened then they had to gather do some research to find out what they could or couldn't do um, then they had to get a petition together collect the signatures for the petition get people out to the special town meeting which is organizing. I mean, this was a political campaign that crossed ideological boundaries because the article points out there were Democrats, there were Republicans, there were conservatives, there were even people who said, well, I kind of sympathize with the free state movement. They all showed up together and 377 voted to go back to the original budget and two voted against it. And so, and now a number of the people uh, who had been leading the movement to kind of uh, put things back to, to normal are, are running for office and other people are helping them. They're now posting about the town and, and the, going, the official goings on on social media. They're recording things. I mean, there's a whole new spirit of involvement and, you know, just as from a citizen standpoint, the opportunity to kind of take control of your of your destiny right. uh, is is really is an extraordinary story. It, it's frankly why, you know, I mean, in my in in, in a in a past life, um, I, I was I, 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 I did some entertainment work yeah. and I've written movie screenplays. I've written treatments. I've, you know, you know, had a hand in producing a film um, once upon a time. And I and I have to say, I mean, I, I'm, I'm already casting, uh, <laughs> casting this now. And I have to say, most of the time, the small town New Hampshire is depicted in, in, in movies. They do yeah. a terrible job. They yeah. do, it just, it's just awful uh, because <laughs> most of the time it's filled with caricature. It's filled with stereotypes. It's filled with, with, what, with what somebody in, in, in L.A. thinks New Hampshire is like probably without ever having been there. And it all ends up looking like a hallmark, a hallmark uh, greeting card. Um, but I can, I can honestly say that 
if you think about this movie and how it could be done, it could be it could be real. It could be gritty. Um, you know, you could really you could really do a number on this with uh, great characters because I mean, yeah. you've got the conflict, you've got the growth of the characters, you've got the relationships, you've got the organizing, and you have this incredible moral to this story that right now, right now, while we're dealing with the January 6th uh, insurrection and looking at what the committee has said about the violence that occurred and, and everything that, that happened to lead up to it, this is like the best counterbalance about American democracy. If you wanted to know, if you want to know really how it works and really what's important, this this could be it. So I'm I'm already casting, casting, <laughs> casting the, the 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 I'm casting the film uh, in my mind, you know. And and mm-hmm. I just want I you know I don't know if Hope Damon, um, the dietitian who's now pursuing a, a a political career as a result of all the, all this is listening, but I don't know Hope maybe it's. Maybe it's Jennifer Aniston there you that, go. That, 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 that'll play you. I just want you all to know that I'm thinking of really, really good actors and actresses um, who, who, can, who can play this. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe it's maybe I see Harrison Ford in there. I see maybe there's an, a role for Tom Cruise as, <laughs> as Chris Post, the Croydon res- resident who runs a small brewery from a barn at the back of his house. I mean, just think about the blockbusters, or maybe it's Meryl Streep who plays Hope Damon. I go. mean, we we really have we have we have an opportunity here to uh, cast some really interesting people. And you know, as it happens, Meryl Streep uh, went to Dartmouth for a while. Right. I I knew her when I was a student there. Really? Because um, wow. she was the girlfriend of uh, one of my best buddies. No kidding. Um, oh, yeah. So oh. so, I mean, she'd come. She, maybe she'd come back as starring as Hope Damon, Meryl oh. Streep. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty, pretty good casting. Well, listen, cool. I have one. I have a quickie question for you, okay, uh, sure. because we're going to have to take a, a break yep. in a couple of minutes. But there's yep. another front page article on the uh, in the Times yesterday that said Biden at 79 shows signs of age and AIDS fret about his image. Are you picking up any rumblings from New Hampshire Democrats um, about uh, Joe Biden and uh, their concerns and uh, uh, whether and his plans to run for a second term? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think there's a lot of concern about that here in New Hampshire uh, among Democrats. They certainly want to see what's going to happen with this midterm election. I don't think I don't think minds are fully formed about Joe Biden's future, according to most New Hampshire Democrats. I think they do want to see whether he can recover from really the abyss he's in right now. I mean, that um, Siena College poll where 64 percent of Democrats think Biden should not run for re-election or think someone else should represent the party. That's I mean, Trump's numbers weren't that bad uh, ever with Republicans um, as Biden's numbers are right now with Democrats. But uh, we've seen things change and things do change in politics all the time. Uh, 
the, frankly, after the midterm, they may change for the worse for this, pre <laughs> this president. And that's hard to fathom, but it's possible uh, okay, if, this, but, is, if but, this truly is a wipeout. But I know we've got a break. Well, Kevin, we, uh, we, we really, it was a fascinating conversation in that first segment, talking about what we need to do about democracy in New Hampshire. And I, I want to um, bring up a recent article you wrote for oh. your Statehouse Dome column. Uh, in the unionleader.com. And the, the, the headline of that column was Sherman's poll gives him a shot against Sununu. So what's going on in the race for governor and what kind of polling numbers do we have? And does, does Tom Sherman really have a shot? Yeah, the, according to Tom Sherman's pollster, uh, Tom Sherman has a shot against Chris Sununu, um, who's seeking a fourth term as governor. Uh, the I obtained a, a memo from to the Sherman campaign about this polling that just was done since um, right after the July 4th Independence Day holiday weekend. Um, uh, initially, the poll showed uh, that Sununu leads Sherman by about 10 points in, in the survey, um, 43 to 33%. But then when voters are taught, are informed uh, as the Sherman campaign wants them to be informed about the abortion ban that Chris Sununu signed in June, 2021, um, it becomes 40, Sununu 39 Sherman. Now, uh, as we pointed out in the in the column, um, the framing of this, the messaging of the abortion ban is is really determinative for Democrats about whether that this is an issue, um, not just that is significant, but is an issue that moves voters. All lies with the messaging, and this messaging is pretty negative towards Sununu and. Sununu's people would certainly argue unfair to Sununu since the, the information these voters were given that moved, made that movement uh, refers to Sununu signing the first abortion ban in modern New Hampshire history, that Sununu ignored 200 of the state's leading medical experts and signed a restrictive abortion ban that contained no exceptions for rape, incest, or fatal field diagnosis required medically unnecessary and invasive pre-abortion ultrasounds and criminalized doctors with felony penalties for providing abortions. Um, now that description sounds like a total abortion ban, which this is not. This is a ban on late-term abortions during the third trimester, mm -hmm. which the supermajority of states have right now, bans on late-term abortions. And for decades, hospitals in New Hampshire have not performed abortions during the third trimester. Um, Except in very rare cases right. yep. where there was a threat to the life uh, of the health mother. and safety, life of life of the mother, Correct. Uh, or, per, or, or there was some fatal fetal anomaly, right. or there was rape or incest or some special circumstances. And uh, which seemed to be um, 
it didn't seem to to make New Hampshire, at least before this, before the the action by the legislature in Sununu. Yeah, it's hard to see. You know, we can't say that New Hampshire was some kind of haven for no. for people seeking abortions, etc. Et, et cetera. So um, uh, we get, you know, we kind of we get. It, the messaging is is interesting, and of course, right. and and, and the message of messaging. I mean, this messaging doesn't mention that the Republican-led legislature approved an exception to the ban this past year that Sununu signed, which does accept ex, exempt from the ban uh, abortions for fatal fetal diagnoses, uh, and this messaging doesn't omits the fact that the Republican-led legislature dramatically reduced the breadth of the ultrasound requirement that is now in state law. Now it only applies, it does not apply for all abortions during all terms of pregnancy, but rather only is, uh, is required if the doctor has reason to believe the fetus is more than 24 weeks and therefore would be uh, too old to legally abort. Uh, that's only when the ultrasound must be performed to determine to confirm whether the fetus is. You know, Kevin. Old. What's here's what's really interesting. Here we are discussing the minutia yeah. of the back and forth of yeah. what happened about abortion. Um, uh, Tom Sherman's uh, team put out um, an interesting. Uh, release recently, and they pointed out sort of the governor's path on all of this. And what they pointed out was in 2015, he was the deciding vote uh, when he was on the executive council to defund Planned Parenthood. And that was weeks before he announced his Republican primary bid for governor. So that's 2015. In 2020, when he was running for re-election, they said, Chris Sununu said, quote, not looking to make any changes to New Hampshire's abortion law. Then in 2021, he signed off on a budget which contained the first um, uh, modern abortion ban um, in New Hampshire's history. And it, that was what the, the legislature, the Republican-led legislature had put in the budget, this abortion ban after 24 weeks, which required invasive and medically unnecessary ultrasounds, criminalized doctors, made no exceptions for fatal fetal anomalies. And prior to that, there just, there hadn't been anything like this, as we said in practice. And, and Sununu said at the time, well, I couldn't veto the budget. But before that, he vetoed, he had like 23 vetoes of, of Democratic bills. He had vetoed Democratic legislative budgets. He he could have vetoed the budget if, if he'd wanted to. Mm -hmm. Then in May of this year, he said he was a pro-choice governor. Then again, a week later on a conservative podcast, he said he'd done more on the pro-life issue than anyone. And just this past June, uh, after uh, the Dobbs decision, I believe it was after, uh, when Democrats called on him to take proactive steps to protect medical providers in New Hampshire from other states' restrictive laws, either and and don't hold me to whether it was after Dobbs, uh, the 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 overturning of Roe v. Wade or before, but they called on him to take steps, which 
he refused. So they're pointing out essentially a flip-flopping governor on the question of abortion, who's trying to play both to the Republican right as well as try to play to the center. Um, and it's interesting that in Sherman's poll, the issue of abortion, let's just phrase it that way, brings him so close to what many have considered to be a Teflon governor, a guy with a, with a, with a pleasant affect who seems to have been able to transcend um, getting too trapped by Trump, so to speak, yeah. while occasionally praising him, um, you know, getting uh, blasted occasionally by the far right. He has managed to skirt a pretty, a pretty a narrow uh, Teflon path. And around the country, um, in some of the other uh, shows that I do with my former chief of staff, Matt Robeson, on sure. Beyond Politics and others, yeah. we, we have uh, recently been interviewing um, some, some fascinating people who really have their, their pulse on the national scene. Um, uh, we recently spoke to Mark Putnam, who was Obama's pollster in 08, when a, leading, a leading ad guy in the, in the Democratic pantheon. Right. And what they're telling us is that the, the national issues um, uh, really are not uh, being moved that much in the polling by abortion, but seem to be moved more about economic issues. So it's interesting to me that that in New Hampshire, we're we're seeing this kind of poll movement on the issue of abortion. I think, do you think that in New Hampshire, that issue strikes a particular chord that may be different from other places in the country? It's possible. Um, it's yeah, I, I think it's possible. I think uh, and. And it shouldn't be. I'm, I'm still of the mind that economic issues are going to dominate this midterm election. But, uh, but this is an X factor to be sure. And it's not too shocking it would happen if it did have a lion-sized impact in New Hampshire. If you think about it, which whose legislature, really until since the Roe versus Wade decision all the way to 2010 had never taken any action uh, um, that wasn't supportive of a woman's abortion right, right? It was only in 2010 when uh, Bill O'Brien became Speaker of the House, they actually, um, the, they, they outlawed, you know, uh, basically um, aborting fetuses uh, at the end of a pregnancy, in other words, the um, and um, an exceptionally rare situation uh, that nobody could find had had ever occurred here in New Hampshire. But at any rate, um, we have a long history in New Hampshire of supporting a woman's reproductive right, and and so um, if Tom Sherman and the Democrats can make the case that somehow that's greater at threat now that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, or could be greater at threat with Roe versus Wade being overturned. Uh, that could neutralize somewhat the obvious Republican advantage uh, that exists now heading into this midterm. 
You know, I, I, I'm, I've done a lot of thinking about messaging um, in my time. Yeah. Having run for office a couple of times, served yeah. in Congress, and, uh, you know, get, given a lot of thought to these kinds of issues. There's something, I think, much deeper at work here around the issue of abortion. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what I think is really at issue is, um, yes, it's about a woman's right to choose um, and to exercise uh, her own uh, freedom to control what happens to her own body um, without the intrusion of government, something that sort of fits into the traditional New Hampshire, we'll call the traditional libertarian ethic, not the free state ethic, but the libertarian ethic. Uh, keep the government out of my bedroom, keep the government out of my uterus, keep the government, you know, small government. And uh, I sometimes joke and say, yeah, Republicans are for small government, all right, just small enough to fit in, into a woman's uterus. Mm -hmm. and, um, and there's great hypocrisy there. But something deeper um, uh, is at work, both in what happened with Dobbs and what may be what people in New Hampshire may be looking at, which is yeah. that when you, when you read the, when you hear about the Dobbs decision and you hear about Clarence Thomas saying, well, this calls into question um, freedom to marry for same-sex couples. It calls into question contraception. Um, now, hypocritically, he didn't call into question uh, loving v. Virginia. Um, but we'll put that aside. It calls into question all kinds of, of freedom that, um, ha that have represented progress for for society and for citizens. Just you, you're allowed to love who you love. You can marry who you, who you want to marry and uh, the government's going to stay out of it. There's something fundamental going on here that the abortion issue really is the tip of the iceberg of saying whether we have a socially um, liberal approach to our society in which citizens uh, control their own lives, destiny, freedoms, love who they love, marry who they, they marry, um, have contraception, have the ability to control their lives, or we're going to have the government, whether it's federal government or state government, intrude into those freedoms and, and limit what is our own personal freedom that we've taken for granted for a long time. The deeper issue is is what I, I suppose was called a right to privacy right. Uh, in the original Roe decision, but it extends to so many other freedom and freedoms, freedoms that we take for granted in New Hampshire, which has always been very fiscally um, uh, careful, cautious, conservative uh, on economic matters, but generally socially liberal um, on these issues of individual personal freedoms. And I think that if Democrats can tie Sununu, not just to flip-flopping on choice, because that's, you know, the, the, the evidence is there. It's kind of, in a way, it's tough to make that case, except you just say, here's a governor who said he's pro-choice, but he's not. 
He flip-flopped on it. Look at what he did if you want to, but he's a flip-flopper. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be using, I'd have, I'd have a bunch of flip-flops uh, going back and forth on the television screen, uh, slapping Sununu on each side of his head uh, about the abortion ban, just flip-flop, flip, one on each side, slapping him left, slapping him right um, <laughs> with flip-flops. But it goes deeper than that, because if the Democrats can tie Sununu and the Republicans to this movement by uh, what is a minority of the population to restrict personal freedom and liberty, um, I think there's a possibility that that although people are 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 are, are talking down uh, the possibilities of Democrats doing well in the midterms, right. I think there's a chance that with with the right kind of messaging and tying Sununu and the Republicans to to everything that uh, a lot of people think is wrong with what's going on in Washington around uh, the Dobbs decision, around the around the assault on democracy. You could see New Hampshire as a libertarian outlier uh, to what some people are thinking is a bad year for Democrats. Yeah. It's a it's a real it's a possibility, um, and I think it will be a factor. Um, but um, uh, you, we started the segment out. You you pointed out correctly um, that this attack has been waged against Sununu in every election he's running, and and hasn't succeeded to the degree um democrats wanted it to so Except, but now that Ro, now that roe v wade is right. gone it yep. becomes a real issue yeah it could yep. it could but but you know as you said as you said uh you know your your gut is telling you that still the yep. most important issue is going to be the economy and uh, uh the governor on sunday um uh, uh said uh, maybe this was a, a week ago, Sunday. No, said, no it was Sunday. Yeah. Yes, it no. said if he were president, he would fire Treasury Secretary <laughs> Janet Yellen for misleading the American people about inflation. He said, I would fire the Treasury Secretary. I think she's completely misled America because she didn't want to kind of own the bad news. But that's part of public service. You got to own the good and the bad. You got to ease folks into it and present a glide path because he was on CNN's State of the Union because, you know, he's number nine on the list for who's going to replace the the great orange cheeto and and then he went on to say you know it's not just inflation he'd fire for for some other things and really taking on the treasury secretary who made a real mistake you know i mean the the treasury secretary made a mistake um she uh, they they thought that inflation wasn't going to go galloping and inflation given the war given covid given supply chain issues um a whole host a constant you know a perfect storm as it were inflation has been uh much higher and running rampant uh the only the only bright spot we're seeing is that gas prices have started to retreat uh just a little which is you know for a lot of people um, the economic pain being caused by inflation is real. It is affecting everyday lives. So that's probably the safest ground for Sununu to keep on bashing Democrats in Washington 
about the economy, about inflation, about gas prices, about the price of, of a hamburger. Um, and, and that's probably his best glide path um, to, uh, to, to uh, if he wants a national issue, if, you know, uh, that's probably his best glide path is, is on uh, the economy. Yeah, no question. That's also, he's been very critical of the all democratic congressional delegation says they all should be fired. You remember, he, that's what he said of um, all four Democrats who are down there now because they approved much of this um, spending that federal spending that he contends, some economists disagree, but he contends has contributed to um, inflation. And that's, that's part of his message as well. Um, and uh, I do think gas prices is a key here, which is, you referenced it, that the price has gone down and ever so slightly, people haven't noticed it's really gone down. It still feels really high. But right. if if this White House can um, can uh, can figure out a way to get, say, the price of a gallon of gas down to three fifty, let's pick a number three fifty by the midterm, then this election could be less disastrous than it's going to be for them. <laughs> you know, that's that's the best thing you can say, but that's significant. That could be yeah, significant. Right. That if they can do something about that, I do think going back to Biden and the poll and. And Sununu and Yellen, this is one of the criticisms Democrats have of Biden, is that he's been loathed to throw anybody really under the bus for the problems he is beset with. You know, yeah. that when Yellen admitted, and I believe it might have been on CNN, uh, that I was wrong when I said, uh, you know, um, that this inflation was going to be transitory as she first described it. Um, yeah. Many presidents would have fired that treasury secretary yeah. and, and moved on, turn the page, get a new person in there, new message, you know, um, look like I get message to America. I care, you know, um, from this president. Um, um, but that's, you know, that's not, that's not this president. And, and, and frankly, it's, it's one of the things over the years, that people like about this president that right. he's exceptionally loyal and he's yeah. not he's not somebody who scapegoats as a rule um you but know, a lot of good a lot of good politicians <laughs> um do that politics uh, is it's it's a rough business okay total, i mean yeah. you know you 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 rarely get a kudos for yep. anything that good that happens people right. you know if if something good is going on everybody says well that's the way it ought to be at least the guy's right. doing his job but then something bad happens and it can be the the crazy thing about politics is it can be totally out of your control right you can have absolutely nothing to do with it you can have absolutely no blame you can <laughs> have absolutely you know you could throw up your hands you could have been you could have been vacationing on fiji if it happened, That's but, right. you know, with something like the economy and inflation, you've got uh, it, 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 it's, you've got a treasury secretary who's in charge of keeping things in check. And she goes on national television and says, oops, whoops, uh, oops, I was wrong. Oops, I made a mistake. I didn't deal with inflation the way it should have been dealt with as a treasury secretary. I was wrong. Now, Joe Biden, it, 
cares about loyalty. You and I care about loyalty. In ordinary life, we care about loyalty. When it comes to politics, she probably should have been gone. Well, Kevin, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, for Capital Close Up on KXL, I'm your host, Paul Hodes. Kevin Landrigan, award-winning journalist, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week.